And good morning once again. Current time is now 9 a.m. on the nose. On this Wednesday, the 20th of January, we're so very glad that you're with us here on your listener-supported and volunteer-operated community radio station. Welcome to Community Pulse, KOPN's locally produced program on the coronavirus pandemic here in mid-Missouri. As a reminder of our production schedule, you can catch Community Pulse live Mondays and Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. And if you happen to miss a show, no worries. We upload the uh, show to our website. After that, our Facebook profile, and you can also find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. On today's program, uh, we hope to have a guest, um, expert vaccine researcher uh, Dima Donacci. Uh, Dr. Donacci is an assistant uh, professor of medicine here at MU Healthcare. Uh, unfortunately, she is a doctor on call this morning and quite busy, so uh, we're waiting for her to call in. If not, we have our own resident health expert, Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, here to speak on the topic that is, of course, on everyone's minds, vaccines. Dr. Alleman, good morning. I'm afraid we don't have Dr. Donacci yet. Uh, how are you this morning? I am great, and I am just going to count on um, the the highest good coming um, of whether we can get Dr. Dandachi on the phone or not. And I just want to own that this is about me miscommunicating with Dr. Dandachi and not getting her clear information about how to call in and thinking I had her phone number, which turns out to be just the clinic um uh, number and so wasn't very helpful. So this, I'm just going to own this, and we will. If we don't get her on this morning, we will get her on later. But I think that vaccines are on many people's minds. Uh, we've talked about them several times. But what we wanted to talk about with Dr. Dandachi is um, a clinical trial, which is happening at the University of Missouri, um, and recruiting volunteers right now. Uh, within uh, the central Missouri area. So this is a multi-center trial. This is the phase three trial for the Novavax vaccine. So, um, uh, you know, first we do a phase one trial theoretically and you give the vaccine to 10 or 20 people and see whether it works and, you know, like what happens, like oh, we, we sort of are there unexpected consequences that are really obvious. And then sometimes we find safety issues or ineffectiveness issues, and we say, yeah, we're not going to try that anymore. And then the phase two trial is usually a couple hundred people, again, to clarify dosing, uh, um, to sometimes look at uh, adding uh, other factors that will help the immune system respond um, and then, and then, and then, Operation Warp Speed, uh, the this rush to get these vaccines. Often, the Phase One and Phase Two trials are combined, and then the Phase Three trial is where we do ten. In the, uh, is that does that mean Dr. Dandachi is here? Uh, yes, Dr. Allman. Dr. Dandachi, if you could try to uh, say good morning to our listening audience. Hello, everyone. Thank you for good having morning. me today. Can you hear me okay? Thank you so much. Yeah, everything's great. Um, so uh, I was just starting to review, um, going over sort of the purpose of the phase one, two, and three trials, because um, I was hoping that you would be willing to talk about um, the phase three trial of the Novavax vaccine that is happening here in Columbia. Yes, sure. Yes. Okay, so I was just saying that phase three trial is we're usually doing somewhere tens of thousands of people in the Pfizer and Moderna trial. If I've got my memory right, we did about 30,000 people. 
And then after the phase three trial is completed, if that looks favorable and we get emergency use authorization, then we vaccinate uh, the public or larger populations of people. Um, So can you... Can you give us a little introduction to um, who you are, what you do, and uh, then let's jump into this vaccine trial. Sure. So uh, I am uh, Dima Dandachi. I'm an infectious disease um, specialist. I work at the University of uh, Missouri in the infectious disease department, and uh, I'm more interested also in research and HIV, actually, specifically. But now with the COVID, I think that's kind of uh, what everyone is interested in now, and we wanted this with the pandemic to do everything we can to really get like a vaccine actually ongoing, and that's why we jumped on this opportunity. So we are doing yeah. the vaccine trial for the COVID at uh, at the university, and we started that like two weeks ago. Okay, and, so just brand new, and right now you're recruiting volunteers. Is that right? Correct. So we recruited volunteers, um, and uh, we're recruiting everyone who is at risk, which basically now everyone, even if you go to a grocery store, you can be at risk of getting uh, COVID. And as you mentioned, like, we have different phases in the clinical trials. And really, um, for safety, we don't progress from phase one to phase two, phase three. Sometimes we combine phase one, phase two, or phase two, phase three. And if the, um, if the safety data is adequate, if everything's looking good, then we advance to the phase two, phase three. So um, the, the Novavax study, what we're doing now is a third vaccine. It's already passed the phase one, already completed the phase one. So that is, has a good um, response in order to produce like antibodies and, uh, you know, uh, antibodies that are equivalent really to someone who recovered from COVID-19. And at the same time, it was safe. And that's why we were able to progress to the next level. So who are you recruiting? Who, who if somebody's listening now, how would they know whether they would be somebody you'd want to talk to and maybe enroll in your trial? Well, I would say, like, you know, we have the two um, vaccines, the Pfizer and the Moderna, that are already out there. So this is the question that I get the most. Like, you know, what if I'm, you know, eligible for the vaccine? Very, uh, you know... I might get the the other vaccine. And what I would say is that that's true. So now we don't have it still for the public, right, for the Pfizer and Moderna. And these are not FDA approved. They are authorized, as you mentioned, like under emergency authorization use. So for people who have, like, for example, healthcare workers, they are been offered, they are been offered the vaccine, and this group will probably get the vaccine that's already authorized and will probably not be a good choice to go into the clinical trial for the Moderna. But for everyone else that they are maybe in line or we don't know or not eligible to get the other vaccines, I think this is the group that we want to target. And why is that? Because so the, the vaccine that we're doing is randomized two to one, which means every single person will have the chance, 66% chance of getting a vaccine right now, and a 33% chance of getting the placebo that is actually not an active vaccine. It just like looks like a vaccine. So 66% chance. But what we say to people, because we don't want to punish really people who are doing clinical trials, that's not the goal. We wanted to give the vaccine as much as we can. So let's say in two months or three months, um, the vaccine is available for a specific person, then we would, okay, if you want to drop and get the vaccine, 
we could do something called like unblinding. So now I don't know what the get, and they would not know. But let's say in three months, if they get if they are if that vaccine is available to them, the other vaccines, then we could unblind them and let them know whether they got the vaccine or if they got the placebo. Okay, and then would they be eligible to get the Novavax vaccine at that point, or they would be able to then get in line for whatever other vaccine is available to them? That's a very good question. So actually, like the Novavax, as long as it is still not authorized, it's, uh, uh, it is considered an investigational product, and it only can be given within a clinical trial. Gotcha. So if by that time the Novavax is available as authorized, same as other vaccines, they could get it. But um, my, you know, like what I predict is like probably the Pfizer and Moderna would be the ones that are available to the participants, for example, in a couple of months. Uh, definitely uh, they are going to apply for the emergency authorization use and for the other vaccines. But as a timeline, I see, I don't see it that's going to, you know, probably they will have the Pfizer and Moderna before the Novavax will be available. I admire your courage in even making any kind of a projection during these interesting times, about, especially about <laughs> the timing true. of when a vaccine might be available That's... to any particular person. Exactly. Um, so who is eligible to enroll in the, this, um, this trial right now? Is, are there age limitations? Are there uh, um, health conditions? Right. So actually, like that, what we call inclusion criteria. So who's eligible, right? So many people are eligible. And I would say the exclusion criteria, what kind of makes them uneligible, is people who have uncontrolled medical conditions, like uh, they're having, like, for example, like diabetes that's, under, that's not under control, uh, blood pressure that's not under control. If they are pregnant, they cannot be part of the study. If they are breastfeeding, they cannot be part of the study. So there are specific kind of conditions that we go over to make sure that uh, it's not there. And if it's not, then they can be included. No age limit. So anyone, I mean, definitely adults, we're not including pediatrics. So anyone that's above 18. Um, so that's the okay. age limit. And, uh, and not have the conditions that would exclude them, actually, from the study. Okay, and, but, uh, and people who've already had COVID uh, infection, would they be um, not included? Right. So that's also a very good question. So two, two, uh, there are two folds for this uh, uh, you know, question. One is for the clinical trial. They cannot be included if they have confirmed COVID before. Right. Um, and that should be like not that, oh, I've been exposed to someone with COVID. No. If they got like actually like laboratory-confirmed COVID-19. Um, but the other part is, let's say, you know, three months from now and the vaccine is available, it is recommended to take the vaccine, even though, um, even if someone had COVID before, because we don't know how long this, immuni uh, this immunity would last, even if someone got the COVID. But in a clinical trial, because we're trying to kind of out the effectiveness of the vaccine and see who will get it and who not, so that's why we're not including people who already got COVID but they will be included part of the vaccination programs when the vaccine become available. Is so it clear? I know that it's... Oh. Yeah, no, this is, it, these things are a little confusing, which is why I wanted to be clear about who you... Like, it sounds like you would welcome anybody from the community who'd be willing to um, volunteer, who's an adult over age 18 and is not... Um, not in a uh, who, whose medical condition is stable and not uh, needing um, uh, immediate medical attention, um, exactly. not pregnant and not breastfeeding. 
and then you and not have able confirmed to walk and has not had confirmed COVID in the past. And then you could walk people through, or whoever it is at the, the, I'm sure that you have some research coordinators, could help walk them through about what the pros and cons are of participating in this research. Oh, yeah, we go over this several times, really. So the first time when uh, our research coordinator can reach out to people who are interested, then we go over the uh, the inclusion and exclusion criteria, which means, like, can they qualify for the study? And we explain in terms of, like, what adverse events they should expect, what is the follow-up they should expect. And again, after this kind of initial screening, we would say, when they come to the actual appointment, the, the the physicians, not the research coordinator, like the physicians who are enrolling people like me, myself, or my other colleagues on the study, um, they act, we go uh, over every single detail of the informed consent. So the consent that people sign, you know, in order to say like they are willing to participate in the study, it's like a 25 pages long of, you know, all the details of the details. <laughs> so, yeah, everything right. will be clarified. But it's the initial thing is like, are you interested? Really, that's the question. Are you interested to be part of this? And I think many people... I was surprised even, given that the other vaccines are available um, for, and will be probably available soon, but some people want to be part of this, want to be part, they believe in science, they want to be part of the clinical trials, they don't want to, they want to do something right for their community. And we know that probably we need more vaccines because two vaccines will not be enough to have vaccines for everyone. So we need, and that's the question I asked, like, why we need a third one? And that's the reason uh, we need more. And the Novavax does not have the uh, restriction about, like, it, it doesn't need the minus 70 degree refrigeration and, uh, uh, that the other vaccine would need. So it really can reach out to more rural areas and more like areas where, you know, it's hard to reach. And I think that's resonates for many people here in Missouri because, like, you know, this is a lot of our population, our patients, our participants really live, uh, you know, like, out there and you know we want something to be able to reach to them and and that you know like being a clinical trial and having this benefit to your community i think that's a very important reason why people contribute to clinical trials right and we do not know there is so much we know and so much we don't know about the vaccines that are currently under emergency use authorization like we don't know things like can a person who is protected by the vaccine, who has been vaccinated, have asymptomatic infection and spread the the, uh, the virus? We don't. You know, most vaccines work effectively so that that doesn't happen, but it's a theoretical possibility. We don't know how long the protection will be. We don't know whether people will need boosters. We don't know how people will respond to boosters. And so having more than one vaccine to be able to compare one from the other. It's like, you know, why not, like why we have more than one over-the-counter pain medicine. It's that some of them work better for different people and in different circumstances. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about having another, having more vaccines. There's over 100 of them in the pipeline. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, there are, um, there are many, right. Right. Which, you know, can I just say... Um, to a person who I know spends most of her time thinking about HIV when we're not in the midst of a pandemic, it is really striking to me how quickly we have a COVID vaccine and we still do not have a vaccine for the last pandemic of HIV, um, which I'm sure there's good reasons for. Um, 
But I want. I also wanted to move into like what is the Novavax vaccine? So I'm looking at the New England Journal of Medicine uh, publication of their Phase One Two trial, um, mm-hmm. and it says that NVX CoV two three seven three is a recombinant SARS-CoV-2 nanoparticle vaccine composed of trimeric full-length SARS-CoV-2 spike glycoproteins and matrix M1 adjuvant. And I, that, I was like, wow, in one sentence. Uh, of course, that, that are not. <laughs> it, it could take me an hour of research to know what some of those words mean. And I'm wondering if you could, um, in the more layman's terms, describe how this vaccine is different than the ones we have and how we think it's working. Yes, thank you. So, um, so we know that previously the vaccine is not something. It's not a science that now you know started. You know, we have vaccines for many, many years, right? And we have different forms that we uh, produce vaccines. So some of these, and there are different mechanisms that we produce vaccines uh, with. But, for example, the Pfizer and the Moderna were totally novel uh, type of vaccine that included something called RNA. So that's like, um, so this RNA vaccine kind of present to the body um, to read the, the protein and then present it to our immune system in order to produce antibodies. The Novavax is different in a way that is not an RNA virus. That's kind of the major difference between the two because the Pfizer and Moderna are very similar. Because both of them are RNA viruses. They both of them have similar efficacy, similar side effects. Um, they are produced the same way. For the Novavax, it's actually a protein recombinant vaccine. So this is like, uh, you know, like this is just the, the protein that is um, uh, that is used that kind of similar to the actual virus, and this is presented to our you know body in order to trick the immune system and form antibodies that would kill the virus. It is called like Novavax because it's a nanoparticle technology, and nanoparticle technology also it's not new, and probably I'm not the best one to describe like how in the lab they make the nanoparticles, but it's just right. um, a way of composing it. And we have other like I know for example from the HIV medicine that they were working for several years on uh, like a way to produce these uh, HIV medicine uh, in a uh, nanoparticle technology and keep it. In the system for you know for months and then people don't need to take like a daily pill so there has been like advancement in nanoparticle technology for a long time and this is one of them but the idea how this vaccine works it is actually a protein uh, related vaccine different than the rna ones for uh, the novavax and the pfizer the, the pfizer and the moderna i'm sorry right so this is so the pfizer and the moderna inject a a part of the RNA code that the virus has and gets, right. to, cool. gets our body cells to make part of the spike protein. And then Correct. this is actually the spike protein or part yeah. of the spike protein. Right. And again, you know, like people also think like there was kind of concern, like this is going to integrate into our DNA or something like this. And that's not true for the other two vaccines as well. You know, for the uh, right. R- it's an RNA, and our genetic material is a DNA. And all what it does is just like, you know, it's a messenger RNA that kind of reads these proteins but do not integrate in our DNA. That's for the, for the other right. two, but you explain it, uh, you know, very well, too. So the Novavax is more similar to, say, a tetanus shot, which is the protein, which is the, uh, the toxin that tetanus makes in our body, 
and we just make an antibody to that protein. So we just inject the, I think it's actually a glycoprotein is what they say, so it's a protein plus a sugar stuck together. Yeah. And then, and actually and, the, and it seems, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, no, so the nano also particle has been also studied for the flu vaccine, and there is like a vaccine that was being prepared called nano flu, and uh, you know they already applied also for approval. So, like each part of this is uh, like the combination is, but actually both of these technologies are not new. So we know about these vaccines before. We know how to make them from before. It's not a new way of making the vaccine for the Novavax. And they are also using, um, can you talk, I wonder if you can explain what an adjuvant is and this new adjuvant that is being used in this vaccine. So like each, you know, like uh, each vaccine has the actual, for example, the RNA or the spike protein, and it has like a component attached to it to make it be able to present it to the body. It's called adjuvant. That's different than preservative. This is like just to make it, uh, to make our body kind of uh, respond to it and present it to our body. So that's what the adjuvant is. And it, it's kind of like, um, you know, it has, we have different, Times of adjuvant, and this is one of them. I I will probably not the best one to explain how exactly uh, you know they came up with this adjuvant. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend I really know like how they come up, like how in the lab they make this adjuvant. But um, but this is the idea of it. Like what what does it mean? And people always mix it with preservative, which is not which is not similar. No. So it's my understanding that an adjuvant sort of nonspecifically irritates the immune system or alerts the immune system. And one of the reasons that we give, it's my understanding, to correct me if I'm wrong, that one of the reasons we give um, uh, the DTP together, the diphtheria pertussis tetanus vaccine together, is that tetanus is an adjuvant, that the tetanus toxoid actually revs up the immune system and vaccines that are given at the same time as tetanus are often a little bit more effective. And right. this and is the reason why sometimes aluminum or aluminum-based compounds are added to vaccines, and there have been people who feel wonder whether that's a totally safe thing to do. So this is a saponin-based uh, adjuvant, and saponin is a common soapy-like component of many plants. So it might end up being safer than aluminum as an adjuvant. Right, uh, but I can't really comment on that because uh, so we have conducted the phase one and phase two, and we know that it is like the vaccine is generally safe. We didn't observe any kind of major adverse events, but this is why right. we're doing also this clinical trial, right, for uh, to roll it on, you know, many people to get it because some of the side effects might not show up in a hundred person, but it might show up when you're getting like thirty thousand, and, and that's why right. we do clinical trials. But we have no reason to like. Um, to expect that we would have major adverse events with this vaccine, but still we don't have an answer before actually doing the trial and having the results of it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm wondering whether you would also talk just a little bit about um, the difference or the similarities of participating in a phase three trial and receiving a vaccine under emergency use authorization. Yeah, so in the phase three, for, uh, for example, I can explain for the Novavax specifically. For the phase three clinical trials, the clinical trial is using a product that still is an investigational product. So uh, although it passes through phase one, phase two, and the FDA approves 
actually like progression to a phase three trials, depending on these early results. Um, so, but it's under it's an investigation product under this trial, and people are followed um, really closely. So that's another actually advantage in being in clinical trial versus emergency use authorization vaccines, is that we will follow participants for up to two years. Uh, for 24 months, we will have like visits um, scheduled. Uh, we uh, kind of check their blood, check whether they got uh, COVID or not. Um, we have kind of something called unscheduled visits if they got sick. And we check, you know, like we have some more procedures to do. Like, for example, we will do blood tests and we'll do um, swab of the nose in order to see whether they have COVID or not, whether they had antibodies or not. So that is different in the clinical trial because it's very, very regulated and followed very closely, actually. Versus in an emergency use authorization, it's already this initial, um, you know, results from phase three has already been submitted to the FDA. And because... Dr. Alleman, are you still there? I am still here. Did we lose Dr. Dandachi? Yes, I I don't know why. I believe the the call was just simply dropped. Um, Okay. Here she comes again. Hold on one moment. Okay. Hello, Dr. Dandachi. Welcome back. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Oh, it's, you know, technology. It's an interesting thing. Thank goodness for it. <laughs> um, so you were saying um, the sort of final thoughts about the difference between a phase three cl- clinical trial and a and emergency use authorization. What you're saying is an emergency use authorization, we don't, you don't get quite the same follow-up. Yes, you don't. And, uh, you know, like, uh, definitely, like, there is, like, something called, like, a post-marketing. Like, they will still check if someone reports adverse events. But let's say, for example, I'm a doctor that got, like, the vaccine. Um, I don't have, like, a regular visit schedule. I don't have blood tests that's going to be taken. Um, so that's different in a clinical trial versus this. And after all has been studied, it will progress to a full FDA approval. Um, and that's how kind of we do usually with other vaccines or others, uh, you know, any investigation or products, including medicine. But it's just that um, here, because of the pandemic, we use like the emergency authorization because like the, really the benefits outweigh the risk and we wanted people to get vaccinated as soon as possible. That's the, right. th- that's kind of the major difference. So as final, yeah. like, Things I want to say, I, um, I think like participating in a clinical trial is very important um, to the participant and also to the community. And, uh, and I think from what we know, it is safe and effective. So they have a chance to have 66% chance of really getting the vaccine as soon as possible for people who are not directly in the line. So anyone who's interested, um, they can feel free to contact us. There's a website at the University of Missouri for the COVID-19 vaccine trial. And, uh, uh, Dr. And Dr. Donacci, um, could you um, let our listening audience know uh, what the actual uh, website is? Um, I can I can send it on the like the link mm-hmm. if you want. Can I send it to Dr. Allen? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. I believe it's um, trialscope.com, correct? So there are two. So the trial scope is one that actually the whole uh, Novavax vaccine have. So they could do that. Definitely. We, read, we, we get those. And we have created one that is kind of local in our uh, MU website. So then people, if you know, they are trying to search on the MU website, they could find it as well. I see. Thank you very much for I will put, We'll put those on in the show notes. We will post them on Facebook uh, on my uh, personal page and also on the KOPN page so that people can um, 
get that information if they wanted to. Um, one of the comments I wanted to make is I think some people have been like, well, I want to wait for a vaccine that I know works. And I'm just going to say that uh, the difference between um, emergency use authorization and phase three clinical trials is um, more subtle than I think it's been presented and is different than um, all, already getting to the place where they've gotten formal FDA approval for uh, commercial use. Um, so uh, thank you for that. And I, I also just, I'm so grateful for all the people who have participated in clinical trials. And that um, often, it's a, it's, as you pointed out, it's a way that people who've been waiting for something concrete that they could do to help in the pandemic, this is an opportunity for that. So anybody um, 18 years and older who um, is mostly healthy, um, lactating hasn't already had COVID-19, uh, they could um, enroll for the vaccine. And I think that there was a sound like maybe we we lost Dr. Dandachi again, but if, She's not, back. if you're still there, Dr. She's back. Dr. Dandachi, thank you so much for taking the time with us. Thank you so much for having All me. All right. You're so welcome. Um, Peter, thank you so much for, uh, for engineering through some um, challenging uh, on and off. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. Wear your mask, wash your hands. Uh, take your vitamin D, find out where you can get the vaccine if you're interested, participate in a trial if you'd like, and cultivate a cheerful confidence that you can survive a, um, a viral illness. And we will be back in your ears on Monday. Peter, I have sent over a recorded um, show uh, about from the folks who are the investigators for the Sewer Shed Project, where they're looking at uh, trying to measure community prevalence of COVID-19 by measuring the RNA in the in our poop. So that is a fascinating interview, and I really got a lot out of it. Thank Th- you. Thank you very much, Dr. Alman. I look forward to that show. That sounds uh, fascinating in its own right. So thank you to Dr. Alman, Dr. Elizabeth Alman, local family physician and our resident health expert here on KOPN. And our kindest and most sincere thanks to uh, Dr. Dandachi, who, um, Dandachi, I should say, who took out time from her very, very busy schedule as an infectious disease expert running a vaccine trial to speak with us this morning. Um, as you have already noticed, there was a lot of information in that show. So it seems an apt time to remind everyone that they can listen to the archives immediately right now at kopn.org. If you would like to re-listen to the show, it will be loaded to our Facebook profile and also Spotify and Apple podcasts later today. Trial Scope is the name of the trial of, of the uh, vaccine trial that Dr. Danachi is running. It's available through the MU website. We'll post links to uh, Trial Scope studies and how you can connect also later today. And that about does it for this jam-packed edition of Community Polls. Thank you to the listening audience. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, And as a reminder, today is a great day to leave KOPN uh, on in the background all day long because from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. we will have live coverage of the inauguration from the Pacifica Radio Network. Uh, What follows next is going to uh, be an abridged version of 51%, and then that live coverage kicks in. So until we come to you once again live uh, in your ears on Monday morning, as Dr. Alleman said, we bid you a very pleasant weekend. Please stay safe and stay informed, Columbia. That is the message from your friends and neighbors over at your listener-supported and volunteer-operated community radio station. A pleasant day to everyone.